Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Big Dog! Big Dog! That is just hilarious every time. Every time you see that, it, it, it definitely, uh, you know, it definitely makes you want to show some teeth. But welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Believe in Bill's podcast, uh, you know, brought to you on Sirius XM and Power 96.5, presented by Bet Online. We got ourselves a great show today. Uh, senior writer and NFL columnist Jim Trotter will be joining us. And obviously, our guy, Ruben Brown, will be here shortly. But once again, Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines. Now, find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all sports information from live in game betting prompts and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use uh, your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Now, use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your 50%. Welcome your bonus on your first deposit. Now, Bet Online is where the game starts. All right. And speaking of where the game starts, our Buffalo Bills are 1 0 after uh, Molly Wampin, the Los Angeles Rams. And uh, hey, we got. All pro guard, Ruben Brown is in the building with us. Ruben, good afternoon. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm about to get it fired up in here. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but um, I'm about to fire it up in here <laughs> because I'm fired up. Well, you know, it's the football season. We're all excited. And our team won um, the Buffalo Bills, won the first game. And we're excited about this coming week. Um, so uh, I, I can't wait for it to start, guys. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for it to start. Um, you know, I just got off the line with Coach Vrabel. Uh, you know, I had to ask him. I'm gonna wait for my guests to come on, and we can all just, you know, uh, yeah, uh, uh, together. You know, kumbaya mm-hmm. together. So uh, I had an interesting conversation with Coach Vrabel, and um. It was a pleasure, you know, for him to come on and give us his time because now, Rube, this is how they do it. The coaches, it's to their discretion if they want to meet with the opposing teams. Right. So that's mm-hmm. pretty cool for, you know, Coach Vrabel to go on, go ahead and, and speak with us. So, you know, I definitely appreciate that. But, Rube, the, the, the craziness is going on right now. Orchard Park District Schools have uh, basically uh, gave the kids a half a day. Because you already know what's going to be happening come Monday morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Win, win or lose, it's going down. Ain't no need of going to school on Monday <laughs> or Tuesday, or definitely not Tuesday. Because you know everybody's going to be up late after this victory. You know we're we're calling for a victory. It makes no sense why the Bills shouldn't win. It's going to be difficult, uh, but smart of the 
that's the thing about our we can give people that are watching from the outside a little insight to Buffalo. Buffalo is all about them bills. <laughs> you know what I mean? We got some we got some hockey there, you know, minor league baseball, some some other sports lacrosse and things, but Buffalo is all about the bills, the the um all the businesses, uh, everything there, the schools, the churches, anything you involved with in Buffalo is about the Buffalo Bills and the F Buffalo Bills fan base. So, uh hats off to everyone that gets involved in understanding the tempo of what's going on. Everyone knows it's an exciting time for the bills and we want all, and I'm, all the employers, all the business owners, all the, everyone that has an operation or, or business in the area, they want the fans and the people and everyone to enjoy this. And, and so it's smart for them to, you know, have half days <laughs> or, <laughs> It come in late the next day or, you know, or victory Tuesday or something like that. So um, the community is well up in, you know, supporting the Buffalo Bills by giving the workers, people, fans, everyone a chance to catch the game, enjoy the game and all the festivities that goes along with the game. And then also time to recover <laughs> from all that, all that excitement, because the Bills fans put all of it in. They go all in. It is no halfway. There's no, oh, we're playing so-and-so. It could be uh, my little kid's uh, junior high team. And Buffalo Bills come in full steam. Yeah, 80,000. It'll be definitely 80,000. <laughs> yeah. Bills will play uh, yeah. uh, 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 the Orchard Park uh, Little League team. It'll be It'll be 80,000, and they still be tailgating crazy mm -hmm. and breaking tables just to see that game. But mm -hmm. nevertheless, Rube, you know, you're the reason behind all of this with, with, with me being what I am today, you know what I mean? So, you know, you, you know this is kind of like your fault, but this guy that I'm going to bring in, it's kind of like my sensei. Uh, he just don't know it yet, but, you know, I, I've been, you know, watching him, uh, you know, for quite a while, you know, the, the, how he does things from – uh, a journalist perspective, how we touch on a lot of social injustice things for, you know, our culture. Uh, senior writer and NFL economist, my guy, Jim Trotter, uh, you know, is in the building. We'd like he, to welcome on here to Believe in Bill's podcast. He isn't Trotter, in his today, seat sir? yet, but as soon as he gets back, I will bring him on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right, he, he, he had to take a little quick break. He went on yeah. a quick break. That's not a problem. That's definitely That's not fine. a problem. But, Rube, getting into uh, Monday night, they, they definitely – it, it, this is going to be crazy because you're right. They definitely have to nurse mm -hmm. the injuries on Tuesday. Now, if the Bills keep this up and the NFL wants to uh, say, hey, we want to prime time these Bills here, mm -hmm. and they want to do it again, this is going to be like a Bills holiday. It's kind of like Labor Day all over again. All over again. We're going to get a two-day vacation if the Bills open up at home on Monday night every season at this rate. Hey. Go ahead. There you go. No, no, no. I'm waiting for the introduction. <laughs> Once again, you know, hey, I like to bring to you my sensei. He don't know it yet, but you know, once again, uh, you know, I, I admire his work from afar. Um, you know, definitely um, got me to where I am. You know, what I mean, just emulating, trying to, you know, learn from this guy from afar. Senior writer, NFL economist Jim Trotter is joining us. Welcome to Believe in Bills podcast, Mr. Trotter. How you doing today? Or should I say, good morning? I'm sir. good, bro. I appreciate you having me. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So let's just get right into it. You you was there in L.A. I, I, I missed the trip. I had a football game I had to take care of. But uh, Bills and Rams, just give us your thoughts on that game. Oh, uh, man, it, it was <laughs> quite simply, it was ass whooping. Um, <laughs> Buffalo put one on them, you know, and we thought it would be competitive. It was not. Um, I think we saw a number of things. We saw the maturation of Josh Allen in terms of his patience and poise and not looking for the big play every play. Uh, started out early with a lot of short, quick passes, which we had not seen from him on a consistent basis. Um, and then the other thing we saw was what the addition of Von Miller means to this defense. Um, if one player can swing the balance of power, the pendulum of power from the East Coast to the, I'm sorry, from the West to the East, you know, maybe Vaughn in this case. So, and it's not just what Vaughn did himself with the two sacks, it's, it's what he did for everyone else around him. You know, they say that, you know, great players are like a rising tide and they lift the performance of those around them. And, and Vaughn did that when you talk to his teammates about what his, his presence means in terms of creating opportunities for, for them in terms of the mentality that they have to have to take that next step. Um, it was it was a tremendous showing by the Bills. Now, having said that, the key is, can they maintain that? Can they be consistent? As we know in recent years, they've had a tendency to ride that roller coaster and play well against some good teams, not so well against others, or to lose to poor teams. And if you're really going to take that next step, <clears throat> excuse me, you've got to be consistent in your approach and your performance every week. So that's what I'm looking forward to seeing from Buffalo uh, as we go through the season. Yeah. Justin, you got any questions? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what, can you, do you mind just taking us on your path a little bit to on your journey of how you got to where you are today? Oh yeah, sure. No, I, um, look, I love the game of football from all the way back to high school, but, I also knew I was never going to be good enough to play professionally. So I really didn't even entertain going to play small college football. I wanted to get my education and start preparing myself for whatever life held. And I knew I wanted to find a way to stay close to the game without actually playing it. And so I went into sports writing and, and um, you know, one of the best experiences for me was going to Howard University and, having access to do a bunch of different things to prepare myself for, you know, uh, the real world, so to speak. So I started out small because I knew I wanted to lay a foundation and learn all I could. And then I just sort of worked my way up from Muskegon, Michigan, Tacoma, Washington, to San Diego, to then Sports Illustrated, ESPN, and now NFL Network. So it's just been a, a steady progression and, and um, and trying to learn all I can. And, and, you know, one of the things Mookie talked about in terms of players who have an impact on you, um, for me, it was Junior Seau who taught me about the culture of a locker room, the culture of a player's mindset, um, and how to make it in this business in terms of uh, really understanding how to cover NFL players and the NFL at large. And you know, I, I always try and give credit to him because um, I don't think I would be where I'm at without his help as well as some other folks. So so that's just kind of my journey, just um, just trying to learn and grow every step of the day. And, and, you know, I don't know how many years I have left, but 
in the time I have left, I want to focus on the things that are important to me or, or that, that give me, you know, make me passionate in terms of player activism, social justice, and, and just helping the public understand that these are not just football players. These are men. These are human beings behind the helmets. And we need to recognize that as we discuss them, um, write about them, and, and get to know them. Jim Ruben Brown here. Um, you, How you doing, you, Ruben? I'm I'm pretty good. You mentioned one of the greatest names in the game of football, at least in my era, uh, Junior Seau. Um, uh, when was one of the when was the early time first time you met Junior uh, or, or Buddy, our Buddy? <laughs> buddy, absolutely. Um, it was actually the the I had just been assigned to the Charger beat. Okay. And it was the off season. And at that time they were still at, at what was then um, San Diego, Jack Murphy stadium. And so I walk into the locker room um, and there were only two players in there, you know, cause it's their off season workouts, which is nothing like it is today. And on the far end of the room, there was junior who was walking towards the training room and he sees me and he, he stops and calls me over and introduces himself as if I didn't know who he was. And I introduced myself and we talked for a minute and he said, look, he said, if you ever need anything, you call me, take my number. Mm. And I'm like, wow, mm. you know, this, this is kind of weird. Cause everything I heard here could be temperamental at times with the media and this, that, and the other. So I take the number and I'm like, okay, is this some sort of prank or joke? And so I didn't want to dial it right away. I waited a couple of weeks and something happened. I don't remember what it was. And I said, okay, I'm gonna test this. And I called the number. And I'm expecting to like get Domino's pizza or something, you know, like I've been talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and the voicemail comes on and it's Junior and, you know, I leave a message, all that kind of stuff. And I leave a message and not soon after he calls me back and I'm like, oh, so this dude is genuine. And it was from that point forward that I, I, I knew what he was about. And the funny thing is everyone knew we had a, a, a tight professional relationship. So people thought he was always feeding me inside mm. information. And anyone who knows him mm -hmm. knows that he was tremendously protective of the team and his teammates. So he never gave me inside information on the team. Again, what he did is he would help me understand the culture of a locker room and a player. And I'll give you a quick story. I'm early in my career. I've never covered the NFL before. Um, I'm learning my way. The Chargers go out and sign a big money free agent cornerback. It was Ryan McNeil at that time. And um, we get to training camp and Ryan McNeil looks awful. I, I mean, really awful. Mm -hmm. And so I'm getting ready to write a story saying, did the Chargers make a mistake giving all this money to this dude? And so I go to Junior, because he's the leader of the team and the defense to talk to him about it. And here's how he helped me. He said, here's what you need to understand about veterans. In training camp, veterans don't work on their strengths. They work on their weaknesses. And that's where they try and get better. And he says, so that when they get to the games on Sunday, hopefully they've uh, minimized what their weaknesses are. Long story short, Ryan McNeil goes out and leads the NFL in interceptions that year. Mm -hmm. So imagine if I had written that story about them potentially giving all this money to a bust, I would have looked so stupid. But that was Junior again, helping me to understand how players approach the game 
and and whatnot. So it was stuff like that 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 again I'll be forever indebted to him for. Awesome guy. We can't say enough uh, great things about him. Um, uh, he was beloved by everyone around the league. Uh, yeah, you guys uh, can't see it. Let me see if I can show it to you. Is it back um, there? Back on the wall there. It's actually a Dolphins jersey, Junior's Dolphins. Oh, oh wow, that's big time. Fifty-five. The year, the year after he was, or the year that he was traded to Miami, they played the Chargers that year, and he took this jersey off at halftime, put it away, signed it, sent it to me. Oh. Um, as just sort of a thank you. So it's, it's oh, on my wall, signed everything. He was just a cool oh, dude. Man. Dude, you, you don't even know. You, you, we could get into reminiscing because I have some of my greatest memories spending it with Junior and playing against Junior. I, yeah. There's a lot of players that you would go out and you'd be a little nervous. Like, oh, I got to play this guy because he's great and he, he's, he's got an edge on me in somewhere. I really enjoyed playing Junior because of the challenge and the fun that he would bring to that game. I mean, he's your opponent, and you are having fun trying to, <laughs> you know, compete against him. And, I mean, and it, it rolled over to off the field. I mean, he constantly he treated me like a king when I would go to Hawaii and spend time over there for the Pro Bowl. I mean, yes. Junior Seau was with me on my recruiting visit out of high school. When I was coming out of high school, going uh, into college, he was being drafted, and he was still hanging around helping USC with some recruiting. And I came out on a recruiting visit. He was there. Jerome Vettis and Bryant Young were also on that recruiting visit. They went to Notre Dame. I was, I, I was planning on to go to USC because of Junior and his influence. Wow. I was like, man, I got to be around this guy. And wow, you know, evidently the, the head coach went somewhere else. I decided to go to Pittsburgh, but I make it to the NFL. We play. Who who you think is gonna come up and you you remember me, buddy? You remember buddy buddy <laughs> when when you came through looking like a little pump great walking through there out in SC? I was like to me, I was about to fall on the floor. I'm like, Junior, you actually remember? I went home telling everyone I met Junior Seau when I was in high wow. school. All right? And that wow. was my highlight. I end up in the NFL, and then the next thing, he's coming up to me like, buddy, you remember? I'm like, yeah, I've, I've been carrying that all my <laughs> life telling everybody. I, I'm surprised you remember. And that's just a little bit of who he was man I, i'm smiling now i can I, I cry at times about junior but i usually have a smile on my face when i talk about junior man junior you have to you know he That's was he was awesome man we had a blast he wanted he never wanted to be around negativity um and and part of that i would argue contributed to his death in mm -hmm. terms of you know didn't want anyone around who would tell him sort of the truth when things were bad he just wanted positive but you can't you can't not think of him and smile because that's who he was his as a child his mother would tell him go out in the world and make happy mm -hmm. and that's what he tried to do every time he went out and i'll never forget i mean you, you, we've turned this into a junior seau uh remembrance which is cool hey. with me yeah but, um, <laughs> he when he retired for the first time from the charges you remember he had that big old press conference 
And he said to me, he said, hey, I'm going to have a few people down to the restaurant after, you know, tonight, come on down. So I go down and literally we're sitting around the table. It's like eight to 10 of us. And I'm not sure how it started, but every one of us then took the opportunity to tell Junior exactly what he meant to us in terms of influencing our careers and lives. And it was just so cool to hear people from a trainer to, you know, a foundation person to someone in the restaurant business, whatever it was, just talk about the impact that he had on them. Um, It was one of those nights I'll never forget. And he was just special, man. He he was special, you know, and as you say, he called everybody buddy, partly because he couldn't always remember our names, but also because, because he was just, he just, everybody was his friend, you know, he was, he was tremendous, man. Just a, he's he's dearly missed. You know, John Lynch uh, said this to me not too long ago. He's just like, yeah. he's like, Trent, you know, I miss him. I miss him. I'm yeah, like, yeah. We yeah. all do, you know? Yeah. Just just quick about the whole buddy thing. I, I can remember him a few times leaning over like, who were we talking to? <laughs> 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 I was like, you didn't know? I mean, they came over here to talk to you. You didn't know? Yeah. And that's when I yeah. picked up on the buddy thing, too. I was like, but, you know, um, our guy Jim Kelly does that also. You know, I think all of the great guys that get a lot of people that come up to them all the time, they have a personable way of greeting you, even if they don't remember your name. And and, and yeah. it, it's, it takes a special person. And, and definitely Junior was that guy. Jim's cut out of that same mold. Jim Kelly's cut out of that same mold as uh, Junior say, a person that cares about the rest of everyone else. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just not about his star, not about um, Junior Seau's star. It was about everyone else around him and to help them. That guy went above and beyond. So um, rightfully Absolutely. so, we could speak about him all day. You know, but we we need to get it. We need to start getting into talking about these bills and this upcoming game against the Titans. And, you know, you just saw what the bills done last week uh, uh, against the the Rams. Uh, What I'm going to ask all of you guys this. What could possibly be different? What could change the Buffalo Bills from what we saw this past past week against the Titans. What could be different? Um, what could be different far as the Bills is taking care of the football. Um, you look at a team that turns the ball over four times in a game and still beat their opponent by 21 points. I, I, I can't find a team that's, that, that's done that, you know, like how we just saw on Thursday night. So if the Bills can clean up the turnovers, play a little bit more complete. I mean, First half wasn't a complete first half. Second half was a little bit more complete. Now, if they can duplicate that second half in the whole game, yeah, it, 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 just like how Jim said how the Rams got it, they could pretty much be an ass whooping for Tennessee on Monday night if the Bills can put a complete game together, two halves together the way they did uh, in that second half versus the Rams. So turnovers is one, and I definitely want to see the Bills Run Devin Singletary more. He's getting six yards of carry. I know, Rule, if you had a running back, you would be telling the offensive coordinator right now. Uh, <laughs> well, look, guys, I, we could, I, I'm having a, 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 a maturing process about my 
obsession about the run. You know, I've <laughs> talked to some um, offensive coordinators that have convinced me, and I don't know if this gaslighting or not, but they've convinced me sometimes a pass is a run. Okay? All right. So pass it to the boy a little bit more often. Um, yeah, but there's, all, a, there's a difference with that. Ruth, yeah. You know there's a difference with that. It's about mentality. And when you, you run an average six yards a carry, there is a, a dominance there that goes with that, that in terms mm -hmm. of your opponent, you are imposing your will. You're mm -hmm. basically saying, you can't stop us. We're going to mm -hmm. bully ball you, which is what Buffalo did in the second half to the Rams. They bullied them. Mm -hmm. If you are checking down or running flares for six yards on an average, yeah, I mean, that, that, that gets you the same yardage, but psychologically, the impact is not the same. And the other thing I would argue when, when they say things like that is when you get to your four-minute offense and you want to preserve a lead, what do you want to do? You want to be able to impose your will, to be able Thank to run you. the football. So, Thank again, you. it's a mindset to me. The yardage may be the same, but the texture of it is different, if that makes sense. Oh, I love how – hey, I'm biting it. I'm going to make that money. <laughs> the texture of it. Oh, man. Jim, Mook. Mook, I'm telling you, I see why you follow me. You just got me. You just took me out. <laughs> I'm good. The <laughs> texture of it. I'm with that, maybe, because it you know it. it. It's just something about physically moving about. Now, and that's why I was kind of leading opening up with that type of question um to you guys about the bills and everything. What what will be different? What will be different is the running game. And the fact that there's a team that's committed to the running game, unlike any other. You know, I, I know this Vrabel kid. I played him in college, played him in the pros, and knew he was a solid player and everything. But I didn't know his mind was that uh, uh, he wasn't that sharp. He, he's definitely sharper than I thought he was as a defensive player. And, Jim, like you said, establishing the run, that's what they're known for. So I think that's the difference of this game opposed to the Rams. The Rams, they won't go get in no doggy dog running. I'm going to run exactly. you over. They're they going to look for, all right, I can get them past here. The Titans, they come in the run. They come in the run. I think another big factor is uh, the trenches. Uh, last year in, in Bill's past, at least, uh, there has been a severe lack of intensity and aggressiveness in the trenches between the offensive defensive lines last year we pretty much won games based on the strength of our quarterback and skill players and secondary etc i think this year with you know a fortified offensive line you take questionberry you take saffold and you take daquan jones from tennessee specifically uh, i think that is going to bowl well for us in terms of just being more aggressive and physical up front and to you know make sure that run game works which you guys spoke of yeah, yeah, they definitely got to do that. Um, well, so. the defensive line is much more improved up there. And I, and I know that they're going to have to have the scheme for Vaughn when it comes to passing and D-line. But, you know, eventually when they do run it, you know, the defensive line, our Bills defensive line is improved to support stopping the run this year opposed to last year, which you were right, you know, so. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. But, I, a doubt. but you you still got to worry about that monster back there. 
I mean, let's not get it twisted. This is the NFL. You don't get the win just by rolling your hat out there and say, hey, we're pretty good on paper. They, Mike Rabel's going to make the Bills be a, a good team. If if they go in thinking, hey, we're hot stuff and we'll, we'll just win because we're the hot thing in the news right now, Derrick Henry's going to eat you up. It's going to hurt. You know, as many people as they have down, they they can attack you still. Well, I got to um, think that, that Rabel is not happy as well that Tennessee got to – or I'm sorry, that Buffalo got to open on a Thursday night and then gets to play yeah. on a Monday night. You know, <laughs> that, that's like that's like a bye in week one, you know, Chilling. if you're Tennessee. So. He's fresh. He definitely exactly. fresh, but – when you look at the changes up front now, yeah, they're not going to sleep on on Tennessee. I spoke with Josh. I spoke with Ron. I spoke with Stefan. I spoke with uh, Mike and Porter yesterday. You know, they're, they're even killed about it. You know, they're really not getting too high, not really getting too low about it. But they do understand that they did lose to Tennessee back to back seasons. And that's, you know, that sits back in the back of their mind. Whether it's Derrick Henry stiff arming Josh Norman running for 200 yards last year or Josh Allen bobbling the snap on fourth and inches, and we all know how that happened. So, you know, they 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 got that stored in the back of their mind, and, and they know how dangerous well, this team could be coming in after a loss, uh, you know, the way they lost at home on, uh, you know, week one. Well, Mook, Mook, Jim, don't you guys think going into this game, after seeing what the Bills – have done on week one preseason and everything with all the hype. Don't you think it's really on the defense and Leslie Frazier to secure this wing and bring it home? I mean, you know what? This is, um, I'm glad you brought that up. This is what bothers me a little bit about the, that uh, Thursday night opener. So after the game, we hear the Rams and, 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 and Sean McVay in particular talk about, um, I didn't have them ready to play. Mm-hmm. I didn't do a good enough job, et cetera. And on the flip side, I'm saying in some ways that minimizes the job that, that Leslie Frazier yeah. and the staff did. And I have not heard anyone say, and again, I'm not in Buffalo, so I don't hear all the time, but I have not hear, heard people give Leslie Frazier his due for putting together a game plan that would shut down the Rams the way that it did. And in fact, they were so dominant. When I talked to Leslie after the game, he told me, you know, we had certain things schemed up for Cooper Cup and others that we never had to use simply because our guys were so dominant. Um, we didn't have to blitz. We could get there with four, all of those things. So I think it, it disappoints me that when we talk about the, the head coaching opportunities that keep coming up, the guys like Leslie Frazier, do not get talked about more than they they have been talked about. And I get that we're now in this thing in the NFL, this age of ageism, right? The focus now is on these younger guys, the guys who come off the offensive side, the guys who come off McVay's tree now, and that sort of thing, which is all ridiculous to me. A good head coach is a good head coach, regardless of how old he is or what side of the football he's on or any of that. The question is, can he lead men? Can he manage games? All of those things. And I think that Leslie Frazier showed when he was in Minnesota, he has that ability. And I just would like to see him get another opportunity. And that's one reason I'm hoping that the Bills do go far and do well 
and that his defense continues to play well so that we put some pressure on folks to say, you know what, why are we not considering him for a head coaching position? Absolutely. Well, I'm a 50-year-old 50 man, and I've been a longtime fan of Leslie Frazier. And, you know, I talk to a lot of the people that work with him and know, know him well. Uh, I don't want him to be a head coach. I want I, I, I can understand. But I do want to see him at some day reach that height. I think he deserves it. I think he deserves another shot at being a head coach. He has the demeanor. He has the personality. He has the knowledge. You know, he has all the credentials it takes to to be a head coach. Not just be a head coach, because a lot of guys get the job. You know, like they gave my boy Doug Whaley the job and he really didn't have the job. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm going, I'm, yeah, he should have. That's why they didn't hire me because, you know, I'm one of them guys. I really would have taken it serious. I wouldn't have been the figurehead. Don't give me the job see, to Ruth. be the figurehead or be the quota guy. Give me the job because my credentials say I can get the job done. That's how I look at Leslie. It's funny you mentioned that because that is a point of contention I have with people who try and tell me, look how many black GMs we have now. And my point to them is don't tell me how many black GMs we have now. <laughs> tell me how many black GMs we have who truly have the power that a traditional general manager has. When you look at these, these um, coaches who have been hired in recent years and teams who have hired black general managers, many of those coaches were already decided on before that general manager was hired. So to me, that's not a general manager who has any sort of power to speak to your point, Ruben. And, and, but what it does is it gives the NFL cover to say, see, our numbers are increasing. The diversity is increasing. And I'm saying, no, the diversity numbers might be increasing, but the jobs are not the same. They're not what they once were. If a GM doesn't have the power to hire the head coach, to choose a head coach, um, to have power over the 53, all those sorts of things, then he's not a true GM in my mind. That's just how I feel about it. There you go. You pre preach on. I'm, I'm going to church <laughs> with you on that one. Is that so I real? Do. I mean, there's a lot of talented uh, coaches out there that aren't getting that shot because of this nepotism-type deal that is mm. in the, that exists in the NFL. But listen, there's plenty of great guys out there fighting the fight, and and when they get the opportunity, they're going to do it do it right. You know, Mike Tomlin, my homeboy from VA. You know, he's one of those guys. He's a testament to to get being given the right opportunity uh, to the right guy. You yeah, know. and he's not getting much credit for what he's done. I mean, At he's all. been he's never had a losing record. Nobody's really no. talking about that. Yeah, now he should be he should be Let's, known as one of the greatest ever already, in my opinion. Let's wait until he's done, though. Yeah, I, I I'm with you with you on that, but I think sometimes with the let him sweat that a little bit. <laughs> you know, let but, let's wait until he's finished. My thing with Mike is is that. As Mook said, the fact that he has never had a losing season in 15 years is just incredible. But mm -hmm. what's more incredible to me is that you've had Pittsburgh fans over the last five to seven years who were like, get him up out of here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and I'm like, y'all just don't realize how good you have it 
And how many cities would love to have a coach who not only has won and gone to Super Bowls, but has Mm -hmm. never had a losing season? You know, that's just being spoiled to me. That's like, you don't understand what bad is. They need to go back to the Steelers of the 60s and see what that was like in the early 70s. And they realize how good they have it with Mike Tomlin. Uh, I played at uh, University of Pittsburgh, so I know how spoiled the Steeler fans are. They they get uppity with their football. Man. Don't, don't no. mess with the Steelers and their football. I mean, they got the greatest. They, they don't have Chuck Noll, Chuck Knox, everybody, all some of the greatest ones. And do you know they, like, they'll be ready to, like, get him out. <laughs> get him out. Get somebody else in. They'll boo the greatest player that they got for the next guy. You know, that's just Pittsburgh. They spoiled. They don't they don't have a lot of championships. Good for them. Um, the Bills it's time, but we won't be so snobby up in Buffalo. Because Jim, as you know, anyone could tell you, you know, every stadium and team has a reputation of being tough, rugged, and whatever like that. In Buffalo, we ain't gonna show you nothing but love and a whole lot of boobs. You know, you gonna <laughs> you can get drunk, we're gonna hug you, you we're gonna hate your team, but it ain't gonna be too much fighting. And we cherish all our greats. You know, we really cherish our greats because we're not fortunate like the Steelers or other teams to have so many uh, championships. Uh, so anyone could come in you here. You may and not play. have championships, but y'all have had a lot of great players. That's for sure. Oh yeah, some of the best. Without some of the best out there. I, some of the I best. hate to be the bearer of bad news to you, Rube, but uh, Leslie Frazier is gone after this year. He should have been gone really last year. Yeah, yeah. But, I you know, know everybody that. want to blame thirteen seconds on him. That's another topic of discussion. Uh, but he's going. You got a lot more. You got a lot more confidence than I have. <laughs> Listen, honestly, I think he in the driver's seat because I I would only take a team that I feel good about. I wouldn't be taking these project teams because I can remember uh, a coach once told me, who was it that was coaching for the Bills and he got the head coaching job down in Cleveland and he was the coordinator. And when I called him up because he worked with my brother and I said, coach, don't take that job, man. Nobody was, he's like, man, there's not many head coaching jobs out here in in the league. So you got to take whichever one you want. I'm like, uh-uh, uh-uh. I ain't going to Cleveland until they blow it up and call it Who, was uh, Bleak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, not Hugh. It was uh, before him. Uh, the guy that his his father was a coach, too, and all of that stuff. Uh, a defensive guy. Anyway, long story short. Oh, you talking every, about Mike Patton? Patton, there you go. There you go, Pat. Yeah. I tell him, Pat, don't take that job, man. What's wrong with you? He was like, no, no, no. I said, I said, man, not for anything in the world, I'm not taking that job. Until they blow it up and call it Cleveland instead of Cleveland, because they ain't no the, what they doing now ain't gonna never win. It's just never gonna win. Anybody watching can tell you that they got they gonna have have to have all the stars aligned and uh, George Clinton come down on the mothership before they ever win anything again. You know, because that's how bad it is. They're organizationally up from top to bottom. So I I say this by saying I hope Leslie stays because he's in the driver's seat to choose which organization he'll want to depart from. Right now, the Bills is as good as it gets. 
Absolutely. And uh, Jim, uh, if I could chime in with you, if I could, um, Stefan Diggs, can you talk about like, you know, his time in Buffalo these two years, the maturation and the leadership you see in Steph? Yeah. Uh, first of all, Steph is one of my favorites because he's a dude that turned me on to the chicken wings at Revival in Minneapolis. So <laughs> we went out, uh, we met for lunch. He told me, you got to go here. So we went and grape soda and chicken wings and everything. And so every time I go to Minneapolis now, I, I stop in there. I usually will text him and tell him, man, I'm back here, send him a picture. But um, Steph is, uh, first of all, I think he got a bad rap in, in Minnesota. Um, he had a lot of reasons to be frustrated there. A lot of reasons. And he never went public with it, which I respected. Um, he is a dude who you know what he's feeling. He's just so competitive that when he's out on that field, there's an intensity and a different different um, vibe about him. And I'll say this again as a guy who's been covering this league for a long time, you, you learn things about how players are wired differently. And sometimes you look at a guy and you think, man, this dude's crazy, or the stuff he's saying makes no sense. You know, it's not real life. And then what I've come to realize over years is that different guys get themselves ready to play in different ways. And what may seem strange to me is not strange to them. It works for them. And you have to be willing to accept that and, and take your, your feelings and emotions and experiences mm -hmm. out of the equation. Steph in, in, um, in Buffalo, I think it's a perfect situation that he has a quarterback who trusts him. He has a young quarterback that I'm not going to say he could mold, but who was willing to get on the same page with him, right? Who understood what he was about, how he goes about his business, um, the routes that he likes to run, all these sorts of things. And so I think there is synergy between Steph and Josh. And I think it was beautiful the way the Bills took care of Steph. Uh, in terms of, of paying him, which um, I'm not sure Minnesota would have done. Well, I know Minnesota wouldn't have done it or they wouldn't have traded him. Um, so all of it, I just think, fits now for him. And I think that he is – he's on his road to, to having a great year. Um, I love the fact that, you know, against Jalen Ramsey, one of the best cover corners in the league, Steph is that dude that says, bring it on. You know, I want it. And I remember after the game, I said to him, and I think he misunderstood what I was saying. I said to him, um, it looked like, you know, in your battle with, with Jalen, you know, first off, he said he's a great player, all humility, you know, humble, got to be humble, always going to be humble. And I said, yeah, I said, it looked like you got so worked up there, you were about to cross the line. And he said to me, no, no, never cross the line, never cross the line, stay within the line. And I think he thought I meant that he was going to do something that crossed the line. And what I meant was, at one point, I saw him walking towards the L.A. huddle. And mm. that's the line I meant about crossing. Like, he was going over there to say something <laughs> to Jalen, you know, whether it's you can't guard me or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think there was some miscommunication in terms of what I meant. I, I, I'll own that. I, I could have been better with my words. Um, but I just love his competitiveness, man. Like, you know, he wants that challenge and he believes that he can win any matchup. And if you're going to be a dog, if you're going to be the best, 
that's the attitude you gotta have. Well, I think I think it's you you they get along people get along because they're alike. And it might not look like it on the surface that they're alike, but it, deep down they're alike. Josh is like Stefan. He's got that dog in him. And and Stefan's got that dog in him. And those when you see that two, you know, we're animals. We smell each other, you know, our dogs smell each other's butts and everything. They get in that scent to know, oh, oh, you like me. Oh, you play like I play. Oh, I'm down with that. Okay, now we can run yeah. and we can jump and we'll have a really good time. But if I sniff you and I don't get that smell, nah, I'm backing <laughs> off or I might bite your ass. You know. <laughs> so the Stefan and and Josh is a match made in heaven because they two dogs. Yeah. They're the dogs same cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Can I ask you, uh, from the outside looking in, of course, all three of us are, are Buffalo Bills fans, and I, I don't know if you would say the same about yourself, but from the outside looking in over the past half decade. Man, I'm a fan of 32 the, teams. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, over the past people, half people, decade. No, people always say to me, who's your favorite team? Who's your favorite team? And it's like, I'm not trying to get in that debate. I tell them all, I got 32 favorite teams, you know? And that's just how I sidestep it, because otherwise – the minute you say something that's accurate and fair about their team, but maybe not necessarily positive, they're like, see, he don't like us. Yeah. He like this team. So yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I got I got 32 teams I'm a favorite of. Okay. All right. I, I was just going to ask about, you know, looking at the maturation of Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills and Sean McDermott, you know, as a whole organization, what does that look like to you? Um, and also, like, when did you know, like, these guys are for real? Um, well, first off, I was like a lot of people. I didn't know a lot about Josh Allen coming out of college. When you play at Wyoming, it's not like you're on the, the national stage every week. So there were some questions about whether or not he could become more of an accurate passer, right? Um, his completion percentage was not great his first year. And for many rookies, it's not. So, But you saw the size. You saw the athleticism. You saw the arm talent, all of that. You don't know about his mental makeup because um, I'll speak for myself, not having been around him. Um, I'm not going to make a judgment on a guy until I see it on a consistent basis about what, what is his makeup? What is his competitiveness? That sort of thing. What is his drive? So um, with Josh, um, the thing that's been beautiful to watch is how each year he's grown in terms of addressing some of his weaknesses and and diminishing them and the other thing you have to get to your point about the organization they have put people around him um you know to to help him get better and mature and people always want to look at one side of the ball and say well they, they bring in staff they upgrade the offensive line whatever uh go get singletary and i say football is a complimentary game the way you make a quarterback better too is by having the other parts so you have a defense that can stop people so that you don't feel that pressure that you have to go out and score every possession or a defense that stops people so that you get more possessions for your offense to give him more opportunities. And then special teams where you have kickers who can, who can you know, when the game is on the line, make that play, make that kick to win you a game as opposed to lose one, which we saw in week one in so many cases, all of that. 
So from the Bills standpoint, um, organizationally, when you have a coach and a GM like Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott who are on the same page, have the same philosophies, the same vision, it makes it that much easier to go out and build a team in the vision in the in in, in and mold it in the way that you want it. So um, to me, everything right now, there's just synergy from afar that you see with the Bills from the front office to the coaching staff to the types of players that they're bringing in. And I always say this when people start asking about preseason favorites, like I, my, my Super Bowl prediction was the, the Bills to beat the Eagles. And people say, oh, it's easy, you know, to pick the Bills. Everyone's picking them. And I say, no, it is. For me, it's about a feeling. It, it's not just about numbers or even people. It's about a feeling. And when you have a team that is talented and you see that it's gone through some hardship or some adversity and, and it comes out of it the right way with the right attitude, Again, going back to that word texture, there is something about the Buffalo Bills, I believe, and they may prove me wrong here. We'll see. But there's just something where you can feel that it's different this year from the previous two years. You can use a basketball analogy where the, you know, the, the Pistons had to get by the Celtics yeah. and the Bulls had to get by the Pistons and all of that. And, it, and it, it's, it's like building blocks. And for me, I believe those 13 seconds last year and the way that that Kansas City game ended was that was that was the Bills moment to say, you know what, we've gone through the fire now and now we're coming out on the other side and let's go do what we got to do. And I just have that feel that, that they're going to do that. Right. I did did I not it. say the same thing as I love you, Jeff? You the man. I did. I I use that exact same scenario, the Pistons and all of that. Oh, how big was that back in the day, man? Did we? Well, we huge. all not was... tuned into that like it was the only thing that mattered. The Pistons and the Bulls and all that was going on with them teams right there. Uh, we're in yeah. it right now with the Bills. I, I I agree with you. Great comparison. When you look yeah. at it, though, no, when you I, look at it, the past the past three Bills teams, the the overtime loss in Houston, that's when you really saw the shift in this team and their demeanor after that game. I sat there in that locker room after that game, and everybody was so quiet. They knew that they still should be playing, but they realized mm -hmm. that the season was over. And, that, you know, that came into, you know, the 13-3 and three and going to the AFC Championship versus, uh, you know, Kansas City Chiefs. And, and we all know what happened in that game. And then, obviously, now you're seeing them in the playoffs. And, you know, they had the 13-second loss. So, they'd have been into a, a overtime wild card game. They'd have been into a tragic uh, divisional playoff game and the AFC Championship game. So, the only thing left is now is for these guys to get to a Super Bowl. And, you know, when they get there, obviously they got four quarters to shine and, and, and play their best ball. But like, like Jim said, there's nothing left for this team at this point but to make it to a Super Bowl. Um, they have the pieces now. Uh, I guess uh, Brandon Bean and Coach McDermott had to figure out what does it really take to get this team over the hump. They wrecked it. They, see, they saw that against the Kansas City Chiefs for two postseasons in a row. And, hey, Game is one up front. Let's go get the necessary guys that's going to revamp this roster and, and 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 get this team over the hump. And obviously, bringing in Von Miller was 
was the was the brightest spot on on getting that change. And now you got guys like OBJ down the line talking about, hey, I might be coming too. So Rube OBJ is going to LA, man. Contagious. Yeah, he going back to LA. OBJ Buffalo. going to LA, man. He ain't not coming to Buffalo. He ain't coming to Buffalo? No, I don't believe that. Only way he comes to Buffalo if they sign him the week of the Super Bowl game. Other than that, he ain't. (laughs) (laughs) He's staying where he at. But, hey, you never know. You never know. Hey, honestly, when the Bills picked up T.O., I thought that would never happen. But, you know, stranger things can happen. Bro, there's a reason. There's a reason they kept his locker open with his name plate on it. Yeah, he's going back yeah. to the Rams. He know he's going back. He needs to start. Hey, he's acquiring. He's acquiring about that locker next to Von here in Buffalo too. So, them. Uh, <laughs> All right. The receivers. Uh, yeah, because receivers are a wacky group now. So you you can't really keep up with them all the time. You kind of got they like these wild animals. You just let them out in the pasture. Just call them in when it's time for them to come in. Other than that, leave them alone. Don't mess with the receivers. Let the yeah, receivers Jim, be. Jim, um, you know, speaking of the Bills and, and, and that curve, what do you think the Bills championship window is at this point? You know what? As long as you have the quarterback, you got a chance in this league. I mean, uh, we say it all the time, and it's true. The NFL is a quarterback-driven league, and, you know, they have the right one. And so as long as you have him, you have a chance. Now, that's not to say that that they're going to win it, but it's to say that they have a chance. And so if Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott continue to put the right pieces around him, that window stays open as long as Josh Allen, you know, um, is playing at the level he's playing at. Uh, so, it, you know, Mookie, you know this. It's so hard to answer that question because the NFL is such a transitory business. You know, players come and go. You've got free agency, all of that. Um, the key is that you got to, to me, this is just my opinion, the key is you got to hit in the draft so that you can keep stockpiling um, pieces so that the reality is when you're good, your play, it means you have good players, and that means those players are ultimately going to want to be paid, and you can't pay everyone. So you're going to lose people, and the question is whether or not you have the depth to have people come in behind those who leave and still play at a similar or higher level. So um, I can't give you a, a, a finite number of years. All I can say to you is that as long as you have the quarterback, you have a chance. No doubt, no doubt. Um what concerns you about this team? Just I know it's still early, but what concerns you about this Bills team? Any concerns? Yeah, like I said earlier, the inconsistency. Um, to me, that's how I'll know they've taken the next step if they don't play down to the level of their competition or play up to the level of their competition, that they just go out and play at a high, efficient level. That's what the good teams do. And that's not to say that good teams don't have a bad game here or there. But you can look at the Bills over the last few years and you can see when they were ready to play and when they weren't and when they played down to the level of their competition. So for me, I just want to see consistency out of them because everything is there for them, offensively, defensively, coaching, all of that. Now the question is, is your mind right to say it's about us and not about anyone else? And therefore, we have a standard that we play to every week and we have to meet that standard. You talked about um, 
drafting good players and being able to replace the good players that are going to go out because you can't pay everybody. Uh, you know, Christian Benford, DeMar Hamlin, all the, you know, young, great talent in the Bills secondary. What do you think that means for Jordan Poyer's future in Buffalo? Well, I, I don't know that I can speak to that specifically, but here's what I will speak to is the culture with the Bills. To know that you have a six-round pick who comes in and basically beats out a first-round pick, right? So for a starting job, to me that says if you're in the locker room, um, McDermott has sent the message that doesn't matter where you were drafted, it doesn't matter how much you make, whoever is playing the best or whoever earns it is going to play. And that creates a real competitive environment in that locker room where guys know it's truly about merit and nothing else. And I, look, I've never been an NFL player. Rube can speak to it. Um, you know, but I would think that if I were an NFL player, that's what I would want from my head coach is something that is a culture that says whoever earns it gets it. And so when I watched them on Thursday night open up, you know, we're starting a six-round six pick over a first-round pick. I'm like, yep, they're serious, you know? It's serious. Yeah. And um, so I can't speak to what, what the future is for Poyer. I just know that if the Bills believe that another player is better and more deserving, that's who they're going to go with. That's a huge deal for players. Uh, and you can get so much more out of your personnel if they all believe that they have a fair shot and what you yep. say to them, you're backing up. You do that, they're going to run through a wall for you. They'll do anything for you. But as soon as you say, hey, we're not going to – Lance Briggs is having a, um, a contract dispute, and we're, he's not going to start for us anymore no matter when he comes in. And Lance signs a big contract. He comes in two plays later. He's a starting linebacker. So what are you telling the rest of the guys on the team? You know, whereas here in Buffalo, they, they're showing anyone that comes and is on the team, yeah, I might got a contract or I, I got the opportunity to be here, but truly I'm going to have to put in my work to be a part of this team and and they're going to reward you with that. That's what I really enjoy about seeing from um, the Bills organization right now. They have that part right. Yeah, only I can say that a little bit, but it's like, uh, uh, you know. The but there's a lot of hits and misses, Mook. You know, yeah, it's, it's talent. Guys get hurt. They, You know, some guys aren't as good as you thought they were. You know, there's a lot of hits and misses. Yeah. But to overall be able to back up and say, I told you guys I'm playing the best player. And True. the best player got on the field. Now you look around like, I don't, they, like oh, I, I'm glad I got my big signing bonus because that's going to be it. I'm not going to play <laughs> after that. Right. You know? right. And, that's, it, and that's my gripe that I have with the one little gripe is the O.J. Howard situation. You pay uh, this guy $3 million guaranteed, he doesn't make your team. Yeah, hey, it's football. The, yeah, Jacob Hollister really, last year, OJ Howard this touchdowns year. Touchdowns, week one with Houston. So I, I have an issue with that. That you're paying a guy right now three million guaranteed. Mm -hmm. He's not on your roster, and I clearly know that he at least should have made that roster as a number three. 
to me, Sweeney should have been on the practice squad. Quit more right. as he earned yeah. his spot on that roster. But to bring mm-hmm. a guy in for three million fully guaranteed and to say that, you know, then don't play your team, that means he was just god awful. And I don't think that OJ was god awful in mm-hmm. this preseason. He scored touchdowns, you know, mm-hmm. this preseason. Well, let me ask in- you, let me let me ask you this playing devil's advocate because I, I don't know I'm, I'm not speaking on the situation i don't know mm-hmm. but if you pay a man three million guaranteed and you say he could be your number three at least your number three what is his mindset going to be as a number three and how is that going to impact the culture <laughs> in your locker room if he's not happy or willing to accept being a number three so there i'm just saying that to say not knowing anything. I, I don't know anything about O.J. Howard and how he felt if he had been the number three. I'm just saying there are times when certain players will not accept a lesser role, and then it can become an issue in your locker room sometimes. You see what I'm saying? That's a point. That's definitely a good yeah. point. You know, that's that's a definitely good point. You know, you you more seasoned than I am, Jim, and, you know, I know you didn't saw all types well, of Well, again, I don't, well, that that's, I don't know that, yeah, yeah. that that's what took place. I'm just throwing it out there as things that I have seen over the years as to why some moves are made in situations like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely, because yeah. you know a team doesn't want – in general, they don't want to guarantee any of the money. You know, it's only modern day right now that they've starting to guarantee more and more money for players to, to come out and play. And especially veteran players, they're going to, you want a veteran player, he's going to ask as much guarantee as possible. And, you know, the rest is to be uh, determined once you get out there and work with the, the staff. Hey, but you guys got any more uh, questions for Jim? I was going to ask you, Jim, did you know? I'm sorry, I'm jumping in there. Uh, no, Jim, I'll go after you. <laughs> do you know who um, McDermott's uh, college teammate was? You know where he went to college? The head oh, coach it was for the Tomlin, Bills, wasn't it? Yeah, ain't that some stuff? Yeah, for William and Mary, right? Yeah. How about this? Yeah. I found out just world. not. I found out not too long ago. My high school center from my high school days actually played center for the both of them and he he knows both of them and and oh, he wow. had been trying to yeah he had been trying to get in touch with me about it and i've been blowing them off for the longest <laughs> until i actually looked in the book and i'm like oh wait a minute tomlin and mm-hmm. mcdermott both went to win and marry mm-hmm. that's pretty amazing what was yeah. going down jim what was going on down in uh william and mary to produce two guys like that I couldn't tell you. I, I'm I like, have no idea. I'm like, why in the world, William and Mary? Are we should we be going down to William and Mary and scouting them for more uh, football minds? I mean, are they grooming guys down there or something? In in William and Mary, well, does anybody there. here know where William and Mary is? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. It's up in VA. And Tomlin played wide right. receiver while McDermott played safety there. Uh, yeah, Tomlin yeah. was there before McDermott. Uh, I think uh, Tomlin was a yeah. senior. McDermott was a junior, so I spent a year a year behind this guy. But yeah, they they were able to lock horns and you know have some few practices against each other. So I haven't really dove into coach to ask him what was those matchups like with Tomlin being out there in practice. <laughs> we just want to keep it Wilma Mary between those two guys. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. 
I played yeah, this. Fellas, that's, I, I, <clears throat> the I, final I question. I don't want to be rude. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I got I got to bounce in a quick second, so um, I want to get as much as I can, or give as much as I can to you for because I got another commitment I got to get to here. I just had one more question. Uh, you talked about yeah. how Junior Seau was huge in your development, and uh, you know what what brought you to where you are and who you are today. Uh, are you involved in, or do you know of any you know pipelines for young writers uh, today that can? that you know aspire to be you and where you are that you know can help them out he probably cut out i think yeah i think he froze he froze froze. oh wait there you go can you hear us jim oh no i can't hear him jim mike Oh, uh, Mook, I didn't know you were big time like that. I didn't know you knew Jim. How'd you and Jim come about? With, how'd that happen guy, again? That's, that, that's just my guy, man. Just uh, You reached the, out to him? No, we, we actually uh, at the combine. At the combine. Oh, you was out doing your combine hustle. Yeah, you, the combine, you was, so, yeah it was a pleasure having Jim on. Um, yeah, yeah. So I can answer that question. I know Jim is a very, very busy guy. Uh, what he does with the NFL, being a senior senior writer and, and NFL columnist, uh, he wrote a few books. Actually, um, we'll get him back book. in another time, right? Yeah, we'll definitely we'll get him down the road. All right, uh, but he co- he's co-writing a book right now with Larry Fitzgerald. You know, I wanted to you know chime in with that. Oh, the pit man, come on, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He's he's writing, he's he's co-authoring the book with Larry. But yeah, me and Jim met my first my first trip at the combine. And I'm like, wow, I'm like, I'm sitting there. I'm in a room with everybody. I'm at the National uh, Association of Black Journalists dinner. And man, I'm in there with MJ Acosta, Josina mm-hmm. Anderson, Jim Trotter, like all mm-hmm. the people that you see, you know, on, on TV is, I mean, we all in one room just having dinner. So, you know, that just lets you know where we are as far as black journalists in that room it was 30 of us and we're wow. at the combine when it's hundreds of, you know, media personalities yeah. there, but it was only 30 black journalists in that room. So that lets you know where we are as far as number wise, when it comes to uh black journalists here in, 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 in the sports world. So, um, yeah, I, I, man, I, I got right up on Jim and, you know, we kind of yeah, so exchange numbers. We, we chime in on each other's uh, DMs from time to time on Twitter and, you know, uh, you know, he had some availability to come join me on the show, uh, you know, uh, today. So that was that was great for him to do that. And um, hey, Tennessee Bills Monday night home opener. Mm-hmm. Justice, let me get let me get your prediction first. Justice. I mean, the way I look at it, I see a team that's a little in shambles in Tennessee. You know, uh, Ryan Tannehill has lost his best target in A.J. Brown. It uh, doesn't seem happy that they drafted his potential replacement in Malik Willis. Uh, you know, they they just went out and laid an egg, essentially, versus the Giants. So I look at them and I say, I'm not that scared of them. And, and also, not to mention Derrick Henry, you know, when he plays us specifically, his the, the biggest thing is stopping his long runs. Because outside of his long runs, he's not super productive versus our defense typically. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with our defensive line being a little bulkier, being a little stronger, better off the ball. And, uh, you know, as long as you can contain Derrick Henry, you don't have A.J. Brown to worry about anymore. Traylon Burks hasn't gotten 
the most glowing reviews out of camp either. So um, I really have a hard time seeing how they're going to score on us, especially let alone being able to keep up with Josh Allen. Because if you can fill the box and make sure Derrick Henry doesn't beat you, I really don't think they have too many pathways to win in this game. What's your score? What? Yeah, I'll, what's I'll your go, score? I think the Bills get get a forty piece. I'll go forty two to seventeen. Why did I know that you was gonna say seventeen? <laughs> 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 no garbage time. Rube, you next. Uh, you know, I I've never been one that like to make predictions. I always say to everyone, you know, I'm rooting for my Bills to win. You know, and I root for the Bills just because of my background with them. Uh, and I want to see them win. If they have some glaring things, I point them out and say, hey, these things could cause them to lose the game. Or if they got really um, something going, I say, hey, this thing right here is what they need to lean on for them to win the game. And um, and so every week I'm predicting the Bills to win because I want them to win. Mm-hmm. Um Number two, I'm going to say at least something that they need to do in order to overcome or a negative thing that they got to be careful of so they can win. And Mookie, you touched on that earlier. Turnovers. Turnovers are the biggest factor in determining the outcome of a game. And it does not matter how great of a team you are. If your turnovers start to pile up, you can end up losing. One turnover is too many. So that's the thing that I worry about the Bills um, going forward. I don't worry about their execution. I think they're smooth. They got a rhythm going. They'll keep that happening. Um, And also, uh, they just got to just go out and win. And this is what I mean by that. If this game ends up being 27-26, just win the game all right let everyone talk about well you're falling off you might be don't matter because in the nfl regardless of who you play each week is the most important week of your season there's no looking to be ahead or looking back it's this week win the game this week so so don't get um, complacent don't get um, uppity and think we got to win by 100 because we're so good. Just go away with the win and deal with the rest of the book garbage later, You if you guys get what I'm saying. So that's how I see it. One, the Bills should definitely should win. They should definitely score over three touchdowns, I'm gathering. And I'm gathering there's going to be a turnover for the defense in there somewhere. And I don't know whether it's going to be a pick six, a fumble to the house or something like that. But I I do feel like the defense is going to start taking away. Well, we already got one pick, right? We already got a pick by one of our best DBs. So A couple picks. Uh, They got two already? And they actually, Boogie Basham had one too. Is it three? It's three. All right, all right, all right. I'm, I got to catch up. I'm, I, I, I saw the one and I was so excited. And I'm like, I don't forgot about all of us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but that's really where it lies, guys. No turnovers for the offense, maintain and just win the game. And number two, 
defense start to get in that momentum of taking the ball away from their opponent, we'll have no problem. There's no need to worry about who the team is over there. Don't worry about whether it's Derek, Derek Henry or Derek Chicken. I mean, it, it, it's another team, and they got to lose. We can't have them win. That's the way it works. Yeah, and, you know, hey, they come into our backyard Monday night home opener. It's definitely a lot for this Buffalo Bills team to go out there and perform the way, you know, they did out there in L.A. So uh, I think that – Cut you off real see- quick, Moot. One, one mm-hmm. second. Because well, while you're saying it's definitely important, you know, every game counts towards playoffs. So, you know, Tennessee might not be good or they may be good. So don't worry about that. Just beat them. All right, right. I'm sorry. That's what right. I was. Just win. No matter the score. If it's, if it's, if it's win, the score is one and a half to one, I'll take yeah. that. I don't <laughs> care how we do it as long as we win, right? But, we'll have a lot to talk about on the show, but just win the damn game. <laughs> <laughs> just win the game, right? But I think that Tennessee is going to try to slow the game down because they do have a guy like Derrick Henry that can keep a high-powered offense off the field if you know they are able to find some success. Uh, up against this Bills defense. So they got it. They got to go with Henry to keep this thing going. Uh, you do got Robert Woods, a savvy veteran in his first year at Tennessee. You got Traylon Burks, who's a rookie. You got Kyle Phillips, who's also a rookie. So Tannehill was dealing with some um, some new personnel guys. Uh, let's not forget that he's he's dealing with new guys up front, too, on that line because we have Roger Saffo and Questenberry. They are mm-hmm. Buffalo Bills now. So those two guys that, you know, they have to replace on front, that block for Tannehill and Derrick Henry, uh, I think that's going to come uh, to some sort of significance. But uh, I spoke with Coach Rabel earlier today, and he was basically talking about um, um, not getting into third down situations, not getting into third and long situations. I say, hey, watching this defensive line on tape, do you think that, you know, your own line have to eat a little bit more Wheaties this week? Yeah, I don't know. And, uh, you pull that you know, off. Basically, you know, he <laughs> – he went on to say, well, we just don't want to be in any third long situation. So that gave me the assessment to know that, hey, I think that they basically is going to try to run the ball, play a little clock ball, um, you know, and keep this high-powered offense off the field as much as possible. Now, with that being said, on the flip side, it's, it's, it's kind of impossible to stop this Bills defense. I mean, this offense. Um, the way that they're layered. It's, it's just tough. It's just too many matchup problems that the Bills pose. And then, obviously, Dawson Knox was, you know, you, you didn't hear anything about Dawson Knox last week. You may hear about him this week. Um, you know, uh, they do have a more refined run game with Ken Dorsey calling the play. So, we'll see how consistent he is and, uh, you know, how he actually calls plays. Do he call plays from week to week or does he has bread and butter plays that he's used week one that he's going to use week two? So that's going to tell me a little bit more about uh, Ken Dorsey as well as how he call plays and, and does he, you know, and, and in, the, in the manner and does he call, you know, is it going to be some new wrinkles that we're going to see this week that we didn't see last week that's going to, you know, be well executed to the point where it's a, it's a wide open touchdown or something like that that we didn't see? Or is it something last week that we know that worked, he using again this week? And that's one thing that Dable didn't do. What worked last week? Dable didn't bring it to the table the week, the, the next week, and that and that, and that you know I was a little head scratch. Your head, yeah. You know they had yeah, no well, bread and butter last year. Yeah, in within three games on film, you'll know what their bread and butter is. That's for every per, every team in the NFL. After three games, you know 
you know, that's why quarterbacks with a little hot streak don't last. You know, you you right. gotta be you gotta be good enough to defeat teams after teams have seen you three or four times. Mm-hmm. Right, they get that book on you. Yeah, once they got that mm-hmm. info on you, they can stay up all night studying. <laughs> They're they going to know your step before you make it. Exactly. You know, so, so now you got to be ready and you got to be on point. I mean, because look, last week they didn't need – I've been in so many meetings um, before the night before the game or the day before the game, the offensive coordinator sits down and it's called the first 15. It's the first 15 plays that you're playing. They got it all scripted out. They got how far the play should go and all of this. And and ideally, you know, that's when you start the game, you want to just call all of those plays. <laughs> I've been on teams. We couldn't get out. We, we couldn't get the first two. <laughs> you know what I mean? We couldn't get the first two plays run on the script, whereas – on uh, just this past week, past Thursday, I think they ran every play to the T, how they practiced it and everything. And, and the reason I say that is because that's not going to happen every week. Right. Every week, you're not going to come in there and the script that you studied the night for is just going to go down the list. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And don't <laughs> even vary. Just, just keep calling them because they all working. They all right. And and that's the testament of a good coordinator is if I get to um, play one, two, and three, is it working? Oh, it's working. Let's keep calling them. Or if I get to play, like I said, one or two, you, you might be at a wrap. So right. uh, I think this is a good challenge for them. Will Tennessee give them something that makes them make a change? Or have to have some adversity or refigure something and work opposed to them just being so good and overwhelming to just run through their playbook. That ain't gonna happen all the way to the Super Bowl. They're gonna have to have some adversity and some overcome and and will that um propel them to become a greater team? We'll right. see. One one key matchup before we go, guys. Bud Dupree, mm. Spencer Brown. All right. Bud Dupree and Spencer Brown is going to be a key matchup for us to watch out there. They do have Jeffrey Simmons, but he's going to be matched up with Saffold and Deion Dawkins. That's going to be another matchup to watch out in the trenches. Um, right. So that's definitely going to be the tell. Of the can, can we use that as our like teaser for our show? You know, like our wrap up for leading up into say, hey, the matchup to watch is uh, yeah. what you just said. Let's use that. We can use that. This is believe. I, I also baby. like Roger McCreary versus uh, Stefan Diggs. I, I'm I'm interested to see how the uh, uh, Diggs got that. I don't no, McCreary I'm I'm just interested that. to see how the rookie is going to respond to. Oh, 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 well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is true. That is true. I have seen some. Those are two key um, elements to watch for this coming game, guys. Definitely. Oh, I, and, and looks like we've been on for an hour and some change, man. I don't want to keep taking up all y'all time. I'm the retired guy. I ain't got nothing to do. I can sit here and talk y'all ear off all day. So yeah, I'm going to hit you up because we definitely got to talk about a few things. But, hey, all right. that concludes our show today. Thank you for everybody for tuning in to Believe in right. Bills podcast. Once again, the Bills take on the Titans this Monday night, and it's going to be – I think another Bills victory. I'm quite sure yeah. of it. Um, I'll say 33 to 13 
bills. All right. So all you kids, make sure that y'all ready to get that half mm-hmm. a day of school because the bills are playing on Monday night. Mm-hmm. We want every Bills fan to do you. All right. But be safe while doing it. All right. So only thing I got to say on behalf of Justice the General, Ruben Brown in the building, our pro Buffalo Bills legend guard up in the building. You know what I mean? Thank you for watching Believe in Bills, and we'll see you next week. Go Bills. Go Bills. Tell a friend, tell a Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.